YouTube is an addiction of mine. The learning that I have gotten, the learnings that I've gotten from YouTube have been insane. I learned how to put mirrors back on cars. I've learned how to fix, fix hoods. I've learned how to wire most of my house. I learned how to put my Nest thermostats in and my smoke detectors in. I've sourced problems with my HVAC, even though I had to turn the power off to my house to do it so that I wouldn't blow myself maybe 20, 30 yards away. And also like custom cars. So I like a lot of the content that is available on YouTube. It just keeps me focused on those things that I like to be focused on. I'd say in the same vein, I'm a hardcore fan of TED Talks. I subscribed years ago I have the app on my phone and I was pouring through them voraciously in 2017 and 2018 just wanting to learn and wanting to expand my knowledge wasn't really reading much so I was just taking in these talks and dream and still do dream of doing a TED talk one day putting that out there universe hope you're listening so I happened to be listening to one that popped into my queue in July of 2018 and it was called How to Stop Swiping and Find Your Person on Dating Apps, done by a, Chris, a woman named Christina Wallace, a six-foot-tall woman who spoke about her woes being six feet tall and trying to find love online. It's short, it's sweet, it's concise, it's to the point. I absolutely loved it. By then, I was done dating online. At the time, I was done dating online because dating online is kind of like porn or anything else that is somewhat of a vice. You visit it, you get disgusted, or even go into a club, you get disgusted with it, you leave it alone, you let some time pass, and you're like, oh, let me see what's going on over there. But at the time, I was done with online dating. So the fact that she was talking about online dating had very little to do with anything, but I was very curious about the title because I have had so many, I had had up until that point so many misses with online dating. But what I wound up gleaning from this woman's talk was what she considered the concept of the zero date. And I have since implemented this into my ideology every time since. So for her, she wanted to convert. I'm going to paraphrase. I'm not going to say it exactly the way she said it. You can go look it up if you want to see it. It's really great. It's seven minutes. But basically what it was is that she found a way to vet people online. And then after she vetted them, not with the texting back and forth. Hey, how was your day? Hey, how are you? Hey, what are you doing today? Hey, what's the best part of your day? Hey, 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 hey. None of that stuff. She vetted them in her own special way. And as soon as she did, she tried, she sought to convert to real life. And that, that drilled down to even fewer people because people were perfectly fine being pen pals. She converted to a zero date. Her zero date was her belief, her premise, and I don't disagree, was that you know within 30 seconds if you want to do something more with a person that you're having spending time with. Not live the rest of your life. That's too much pressure. Not get married and have babies. That might not even be possible. But you definitely know if you want to see a person again within 30 seconds. And I would go so far as to say after those 30 seconds pass, if you continue in that same space, you can find out maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes later within 30 seconds that you made a serious area in judgment and call it a day. Depart friends, nothing ventured, nothing gained. But a zero date is something simple, something that many people in today's landscape think is cheap and low budget. That's a cup of coffee, a drink, 
at something super casual, not some high-end bar, but like a kind of casual, like local bar. But you know what? I'm not going to knock it. Maybe it is a high-end bar. Maybe it is a dope speakeasy. But either way, no food, no nothing that's going to cause you to be posted up in front of somebody pontificating and performing. Just a drink. And I have since added like walks, brief walks to that that dynamic. And it's short. It's an hour. It's in the middle of the day. It's either early in the day or it's in the middle of the day. It's something that's in between everything else so that you can see what you got going on with a person and then keep it moving into your own day. It doesn't make them, you know, some sort of focal point, which is not a bad thing if they end up being somebody special, but rather you got stuff to do. So the goal is to convert from online or on the phone or whatever to seeing someone in person, seeing someone casually in person to decide if you want to do something like this again, a zero date. I love it. I believe in it. It's what I did every single time from that point forward with some variances here and there along the way. Welcome to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. After getting his master's degree and getting cursed out, his second master's in getting kicked out, Eric Payne decided to pursue his doctorate in getting his life right and staying in his own lane. But upon getting all his degrees, he realized he was a fish out of water in this new dating landscape. Eric was 28 years old when he met his ex-wife and was newly divorced at 43. The world had changed considerably since the days of StarTech beepers, Motorola flip phones, and Yahoo Chat. It is vicious out here in these new streets where taking pictures of yourself all day long with a phone and posting them on the internet is actually a thing. The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide is the story of Eric's journey from love and marriage to divorce to dating to hopefully love and marriage once more. So it had been a couple of weeks talking to dressed in all black like the omen and I could not convert. I couldn't convert to a in person. She was training for a marathon. Training for a marathon is intense and she was using an app that was giving her certain runs. I mean, I there I was doing it for a while when I was training for 5Ks, but there was an app that had her on a schedule. So she was going to bed at a certain time and she was getting up and running at first thing in the morning. Sometimes she'd run in the evening. So our conversations revolved around her availability based on runs. So what was supposed to be coffee, she wasn't available for coffee when I was available for coffee and I wasn't available when she was available. So in the meantime, in between time, we just talked. We talked about anything and we talked about everything, but we mostly talked about anything. And uh, I mean, I don't know. She was fine. She was fine. She was fine. Oh, Eric, she's fine. I took I showed her picture to, you know, homies, female friends. She fine, 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 she fine. My friend who introduced us, you know, via text, she fine. Well, Eric, she fine. She ain't she ain't at a loss for, you know, male attention. And I mean, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, something was shifting inside of me. It kind of didn't matter to me that she was fine. Everybody I know was quote unquote fine. Everybody at my my ex-wife was fine, drop dead gorgeous even you know, created pretty babies with her. I Someone being fine is not something for me to necessarily aspire to. I'm not saying like, oh, it's not hard for me to get somebody that's fine. What I'm saying is that being fine should not be the determining factor on someone's value because 
that is no different than someone who has a car, a certain type of car. I have a certain type of car. I hope nobody's judging me based on the car that I drive. Just like I don't judge someone for driving, you know, a point A to point B car. It's, it's people don't have choices on how they were born. They don't just like, I mean, people have choices on the cars they buy, but people don't have choices on the way that God formed them in the womb and how they came out and how they look. They don't have a choice over that. Now, of course, they can milk it, but they don't have a choice over that. That is not a determining factor on who they are. It definitely determines what they look like, but it doesn't determine who they are. So I was des- I was becoming desperate to convert because I-, I felt myself getting bored and I didn't. And, and I wasn't sure what was happening or why that was happening. I mean, this is somebody that I saw from across the room. This is somebody I saw from across the room. Yeah. And I was bored. She invited me to go see John B. live. John B. Now, look, no disrespect. I mean, John B. is a cool R&B singer from the 90s, and that's my era. The 90s is where, you know, pretty much a lot of the best fight me. A lot of the best hip-hop and R&B came from fight me. However, I mean, in the year 2018, I'm not checking for John B. live. I'll listen to him on the radio and reminisce, but I don't want to go sit and listen to him live. I mean, his catalog doesn't do it for me. And again, but I mean, who cares? I mean, that's personal preference. But I did understand from my divorce and my post divorce dating experiences that whether I necessarily wanted to attend an event or not, I was not being asked to attend this event based on my appreciation of John B. I was being asked so that I could accompany her as company. She was asking me to share in an experience and potentially create a memory with her. Fair enough. I said yes. Despite my misgivings about John B., I said yes. So I was talking to my big sis about it one day. And I said, yeah, I mean, she talks a a lot. I mean, I I don't have anything to say. You? You don't have anything to say? She? She talks a lot? Really? Yes. Yes, I said it. And if I, who talks a lot because I'm a talker, think that someone is talking too much or I've run out of things to say, then something is wrong. But the thing that was so interesting was that I didn't think anything was wrong with her. I was perplexed because something was wrong, period. I didn't get at the time in that moment what the issue was, but it was definitely something. And I could not wrap my mind around what that thing was, but something was off. And I didn't know why because there was no reason for something to be off. The sun, the moon, and the stars aligned, and we were finally able to get together. But it was totally on her terms. She had a run in the morning, It wasn't breakfast, it wasn't lunch, it wasn't coffee, it wasn't a drink, it was dinner. And dinner is something that I didn't want to have. And not only was it dinner, it wasn't even dinner where it was mutually, a place that was mutually beneficial for both of us. It was a place that was right around the corner from her house. 
so that when we were done, she could go home and get in the bed and get her rest for her run. And the part of Atlanta where she lived, in my opinion, was hyperinflated. A lot of people like that part of town. It personally is not my cup of tea. A lot of people flock there. And, you know, to each his own. It's not my cup of tea. Um, I'm not a flashy person, so I don't feel the need to hang out on that side of town. And that's no reflection on her. I'm just kind of describing the part of town where she lived. I say that to say we went to a Thai restaurant. And the Thai restaurant was just as hyperinflated as the area. Where I live, there are Taiwanese people that own restaurants. And the food is amazing. It's delicious. And it, you know, because we're living in the 2000s, it isn't cheap. But it isn't what I paid at that Thai restaurant with her. And truth be told, it troubled me because I wanted coffee. I wanted drink, a drink. I wanted something safe. I wanted something where we didn't have to, like, make conversation. I wanted to have conversation. And there is a difference. So I went to that part of town. I parked in a garage because there was no parking on the street. I parked in a garage. And I met her out in front of the restaurant. And there was a small wait. And she was very pretty. Just as pretty as she was when I saw her. Gave her a hug. While we waited for our table, even though the place was empty, we sat at the bar. And interestingly enough, they were serving tiki drinks. All of a sudden, I was transported back to my magical time with Sea Sweet Lady. How we were on the water and how we walked and held hands. And how we made love with the Statue of Liberty in the backdrop. Man, I'm getting quite the body count, man. I'm starting to have too much bouncing around in my head. And then they called our table. And truth be told, I probably would have rather not. My budget did not allow for what I spent on our dinner that night. That had nothing to do with her. That was totally on me. I didn't complain about it. I didn't mention it. I didn't say anything about it. It didn't even come up. I didn't get upset with her about it. I was annoyed. Because I know in my neighborhood I could get the same type of Thai food, if not better, for at least a third or maybe even half less. And I knew that I was paying a premium because of where the restaurant was and not because of the quality. And then there are some like strictly Asian areas of Atlanta where you can get the stuff like mcdonald's prices and it's the best thing you'll ever have in your entire life but i digress you could argue that i was being cheap i mean maybe i wasn't making the money that i wanted to make and i definitely didn't want to drop a hundred or a hundred more dollars or even close to a hundred dollars on dinner with someone that i was not 100 percent sold on and i was mad that i didn't get a chance to have my zero date so i didn't know how she was outside of the setting of an overpriced restaurant I knew how she was on the phone, but I didn't know how she was casually. But I got the opportunity to spend a nice little walk with her afterwards. And that made up for the stiffness or the, the, the properness or the performative nature of us being across the table from one another, being on our best behavior, eating with the right forks and all of that stuff. I mean, it was nothing stiff. She was very funny. She told a lot of jokes. But I wanted my zero date. And at the time, I'm not sure I was flexible enough to move around that. And then also, the reality is that when you want to do something with someone, you're willing to be flexible. The fact that I wasn't should have been a telltale sign for me. 
but I wasn't aware of myself and how I interacted with others to turn the inner eye back on me to understand that if I'm reacting a certain way, then maybe it's about me and not about me not getting what I want or something some other person is doing. Because nine times out of ten, it's mostly you. It's not anybody else. When the night came to an end, we walked her neighborhood, which was a condo complex area, and she had to go walk her dog, and then she had to go to bed. I wish her well. I give her a hug. Nice big hug. So I got into my car, but then I got lost. I don't think I had one of those things where you could mount your phone, so, you know, I wasn't willing to look at my phone while I was driving. So I called her up for directions on how to get out of her area. I was able to get out of her area, and I was like, all right, well, look, I'm going to talk to you later. And she said... How come you don't like talking on the phone? And I said, it's not that I don't enjoy talking on the phone. It's just that I enjoy being in person and doing things and having shared experiences more. And the really honest truth about it was that I was hoping for the experiences to make up for the blah I felt while talking to her. Things got different after that. It was weird. She got a little quiet on me after I told her I preferred spending time with her. And I thought that that was odd because I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I thought letting someone know that you wanted to spend time with them meant something. We did continue to talk, although a little bit more sporadically. And then came Insecure. I dropped a bonus episode called Dating in My 40s. It's a little bit more on the serious side of things. It is actually the audio narration of an article that I wrote for Medium. If you haven't listened to it already, give it a listen, please, if you like. If you want to hear a different side of things and understand with a little bit better context or a little bit more real life context. Not that this isn't real life, but of the pain that I kind of went through and overcame to get to where I am now to be able to tell the story that I'm telling you every couple of weeks the way I tell it without any kind of like sour grapes or whatever. So hope you check it out. Insecure is one of my favorite television shows. For any variety of reasons, I can have a whole bonus episode on that, and probably should. But for the sake of this story, let's just say it's one of my favorite shows that I like to watch. And I like having big, long, engrossed conversations with people about the nuances involving the characters, the storyline, the writing, blah, blah, blah. So since Insecure is one of my favorite shows, I wanted to hear what she had to say about it. I wanted to know what Dressed in All Black's opinion was about the show, the nuances, the love, the characters, blah, blah, blah. She says she liked it. I mean, everybody likes it. It's like that show that's all that everyone's talking about that they have on their show that everyone's talking about. They call it a show within the show. So it's the show that everyone's talking about while they're living their lives on the story so that they're like having conversations. Did you know what happened on such and such episode? And it's funny how they duplicated exactly what we do in real life. So after we watched an episode of Insecure... It was, you know, HBO shows are good for this. Most shows are good for this. Most series are good for this. Sometimes they have what are called filler episodes, episodes that don't necessarily have anything in them, like action-packed or controversial, but they just move the story along. They're interludes, if you will. No different than an interlude on an album. 
but they advance the story. Without that, the episodes that people want, the juicy episodes, it'd just be too much if it was juicy after juicy after juicy. It would just be like, oh, this is just like some sort of like shock value show or shock value story. And that's not even how real life happens. There's ebbs and flows and lulls in real life. So I went through this big old long explanation, pretty much along the lines of what I just said. And she kind of, she listened and she said, Eh, it really wasn't much of nothing for me. And everyone is entitled to their opinion. But I was really, 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 really thrown by the fact that that was all she had to say. I didn't want her to agree with me. I actually would have preferred if she had disagreed with me with like an argument potentially as long as mine. But she didn't. She was just like, yeah, I forgot the term. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was it was just like fluff to me, something to that effect. And I was so deflated. And it clicked. And I got it right then and right there in that moment. We don't click. We don't click. Huh. Will you look at that? We don't click. And then I remember a conversation that we had very early on, early on, like three weeks or three, three or some odd weeks earlier, where I asked her, what did she want? Like, what was what were some of her goals? And she said she wanted to get married and have kids and raise a family. Now, of course, that hit the marks for me as far as me wanting to meet someone who was willing to have children. But I remember, like, that kind of stuck with me because she didn't say anything else. And I remember saying to myself, that's it? And again, there is nothing wrong with that. It's just that I want more. I'm sure she wanted more. But, you know, it's like alignment. I was beginning to realize quickly that she and I were not aligned from day one. And yeah, it's cool to like someone from afar and it's cool to look at somebody and think that it, you know, we're, we're visual beings, we're sexual beings, we're physical beings. So it's very easy and there's no harm in recognizing, there's no harm in wanting to meet up with somebody because they appeal to you from a visual standpoint. But then being an adult means doing differently when you realize that the appeal is not there emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. We're not vibing or I'm not vibing. She might be vibing with me, but I'm not. I'm, I, I don't think the vibe is there for me. I don't know if I'm giving it enough time, but something in my spirit said to pull back. There was no insecurity. There was nothing wrong with her. She didn't do anything wrong. I don't think I did anything wrong. It just wasn't there for me. And that was fascinating to me because she was so fine. She was so fine. She was so fine. And she had a really good job and it looked like she had decent money and she ran and she was in shape and she was fit and tall or semi-tall or whatever. But there was nothing there or there was very little there. I could make it work, but it wasn't there. We can all make anything work if we work hard enough at it. But I felt that I was going to be working to just be there. And I didn't want to just be there. I wanted to be there. I didn't want to have to work on my end to maintain my interest 
in someone else. And I'm not talking about the fairy tale thing. I'm talking about I didn't want to have to say, oh, well, she's fine. So let me just be with her. Oh, well, we look good together. So let me just be here with her. Oh, this makes sense. So let me just be here with her. I did that already. I wasn't going to do it again. So what Eric Payne had on his hands was a predicamente. And that's not a word. The next day, I kind of like let it all go. I let her go. I stopped thinking about building something with her. I stopped daydreaming of what it might be like to be with her. And I just kind of let it go. And I'm of the ilk that if my intention with you was less than platonic to begin with, then I just have that same energy. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be cool to be somebody's friends. But unless a situation like creates friendship, I'm not interested in like moving non-romantic partners into the friendship column. Unless there were bones for friendship to begin with, or even in some situations, things have come back around. But that wasn't up to me. That was life in the universe and time, most importantly time, taking the edge off of whatever foolishness we had been involved with me and some other person and then softening things maturing things giving you both perspective and insight to look back on things to be able to look forward and say hey there's value in being friends with you blah 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 but in the midst of a trying to get to know someone if you don't have anything with somebody to begin with there's no motivation at least from my perspective to continue in any direction if I'm not checking for you as a romantic partner, why would I put you on a friend shelf when I don't know you any more than I did as the other person? And friendship, in my opinion, requires even more time commitment because friendship takes you through the ebbs and flows of life. The fact that a relationship does not progress romantically does not automatically make it a platonic one. For me, when something ends, it just ends. Everyone has their way of moving forward. And some people don't move forward at all. So what I did was I disengaged. I began to disengage. When I realized that, you know, it might not be a thing, I kind of just unfollowed her on Instagram. That was something that I learned from being married. Man, I was a mess. Looking on my ex-wife's Facebook page. And looking at her Instagram and trying to like piece stuff together and looking at who was commenting on her stuff and who she was responding to or even looking at the kind of pictures that she put up. I don't ever want that in my life again. So for me, I don't need to know what anybody's doing once we're no longer an item. I just don't don't want to don't care to. It allows me and hopefully them the space to move on and see other people and create space for other people in other situations. I'm I'm not into this, you know, being friends for the sake of friends so you can say that you are friends because doing otherwise means what exactly? I figured that we go to this John B concert and then I would call things quits. Huh. So a couple days later I'm driving on I-75 through downtown Atlanta heading to my house. And I get a text message about 
And I was in traffic and I was barely moving and the cars are pretty much ground to a stop. So I was able to kind of actually pay attention to my phone. So I'm in traffic on I-75 and traffic grounds to a halt and I'm just sitting still. And this is before Do Not Disturb had kicked in on phones and it was completely up to us humans to ignore our phone. Something that, you know, that's not going to happen. So I got a text and it was from her. Dressed in all black like the omen. <laughs> it said, we're not going to John B. I said, okay, cool. Um, All right, cool. Well, is everything okay? And she said, yeah. <laughs> and then another text came back. And it said, well, I'm still going. But you're not going with me. And I said, oh, I mean, okay. Did, did, is, is, did I do something wrong? And she said, no, I just realized that after dinner, it's not a, a good match. Hmm. Okay. While I sat there in traffic, I kind of smiled to myself. And I was surprised that I didn't get upset, that I wasn't trying to ma match wits, that I wasn't trying to have the last word. I was actually genuinely surprised because I realized what was happening. Based on what she had shared with me about her marriage... And based on what she had shared with me about her relationship. And based on the fact that my friend that connected us was going on and on and on about how attractive she was. To have someone not necessarily express, I guess, the level of interest possibly that this person was accustomed to. You know, I don't know. I don't know if it was the fact that it wasn't a match or the fact that I wasn't chasing around after her. Either way, she knew, I'm, I'm pretty certain she knew if she had girls, or she knew just because we know things when they're coming down the pipe. And instead of allowing me to fire her, she fired me. And by disinviting me from John B., and going on to tell me that we're not a good match, after I had essentially been leading her in that direction anyway and had every intention on letting her down gently so that I wouldn't end on a bad note she said oh okay oh, look I understand things don't always work out I mean come on it's not that big a deal Okay. It was just one date. She told me, I thought that we could be cool, but I have an unfollow app on my phone. And I saw that you unfollowed me on Instagram. I didn't think you were the kind of person to get down like that. But it's cool. What? I was genuinely taken aback. I thought only businesses had unfollow stuff so that they could understand so that they could understand engagement, understand what content was working for them. You know, as an agency guy, I was like, wait, they do they have that for people? Because my understanding was that you were only able to see that stuff on Twitter if you had the unfollow thing for Twitter, which I don't even know if they have that anymore. And you could definitely see it as businesses. But like I said, that was for you to be able to understand content. And in my head, I was like, why does she care about who's following her and unfollowing her? That shouldn't matter. I mean, it does matter. 
I guess, when you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this person unfollowed me. But I don't go find the people that unfollowed me and tell them that they unfollowed me. Who cares? Well, let me say, it shouldn't matter. But clearly it mattered in this situation. So there I was, faced with evidence. I unfollowed her. And Eric Payne could have lied. Because Eric Payne is not always... Eric Payne used to not be, and I'm speaking in third person now, Eric Payne used to not be all that great when confronted with an ugly truth. I looked at the message saying that I unfollowed her and she didn't think that I was that kind of person, whatever that means. And I said, well, I believed that things were going in a certain direction. And I didn't think that there was any need to see you in different places and spaces or with other people when my journey with you may not be continuing beyond the John B. concert. And for all intents and purposes, I was correct. There was no reason to unfollow me because there's nothing wrong with being friends, even though things didn't work out. She was insistent on being the one to say that things weren't working out. I got it. Thank you for telling me like 32 and a half times. I'm good. Traffic began to move and I decided it was time for me to move away from this conversation, move on into my day and move on with the rest of my life. And after all of that, I said, listen, this isn't really going in a direction that I'd like it to go. You said what you had to say. You've said it a few times. Now you're just being nasty. I'm not exactly even sure why. No, I'm not being nasty. I just want you to understand what, the, what time it is. I want you to understand exactly what's going on so that we're both clear. Hmm. Okay. Okay. You win. I mean, who cares? Like, whatever. You fired me before I quit you. Or you fired me before I fired you. Whatever way you want to look at it, whatever works for you, babe. I genuinely am sorry that this happened. We weren't talking. We were texting. Traffic started to move. Hey, listen. Uh, okay, cool. I, I understand. I literally was just saying whatever to just stop the madness. And as someone who lived to have the last word with my ex-wife and, you know, in some subsequent dating situations, lived to have the last word, lived to be right. I was so surprised that I had nothing to say. I didn't have any names to call her. I didn't feel any kind of way. It just wasn't a good match. I just wasn't into her. It just wasn't that serious for me. Regardless of how fine she was, regardless of how many men she possibly could pull, or whatever, there was absolutely nothing wrong with her. There was just no chemistry between us. So in having conversations with people that know me, oh, she crazy, oh, da-da-da, oh, you can do better, oh, da-da-da. And I stopped all of them, and I said, no, 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 no. No, that girl didn't do nothing to me. 
she was willing to talk to me about anything and everything, which means that she is a, a sweetheart. But for whatever reason, it just wasn't doing it for me. And you know what I realized? That's okay. And I remember driving once the traffic started back up. I remember after that ridiculous exchange I had with her, I remember, like I remember my feelings being hurt. My feelings were being hurt because she disinvited me from something I didn't want to go to in the first place. She hurt my feelings because she, like, I, my feelings were hurt because she was, like, breaking it down. I'm going to let you know how it is before you think that it's something else. Because I know you was about to kick me to the curb, so I'm kicking your ass to the curb first. I guess. That didn't hurt my feelings. Let me correct that. That stung. But it only stung for, like, a few hours. As traffic picked up, I knew I was going to be okay. I knew I was going to be okay. That night I slept peacefully and gave almost no thought to what had happened to me earlier in that day with the woman dressed in all black like the omen who was going to be the woman who probably was going to be talking about me for some time to come. And I remember waking up that morning and just thinking to myself, what the fuck? Why did you do this to us? Why did you do this to us? I don't want to be out here like this. This shit is stupid. We had a family. We had our problems. But we had each other. Now we're both out here chasing after stuff not acting anything close to our age and dealing with crazy ass people in the south like why we didn't have to do this we didn't have to be here I don't know if things would have worked out but man why didn't you even try or maybe it wasn't about you at all maybe I should have just found somebody else, somebody who was, was super sweet and super capable. There had to have been something I could have done differently to avoid being here, out here, messing around with crazy people. And maybe they aren't crazy. I'm not going to say they're crazy. Maybe they're just out here as lost and wanting for comfort from someone else me but I gotta be honest man I gotta be honest with you God I don't even know what you want from me at this point there's a strong possibility I am completely in the way of what you want from me but I know for damn sure you don't want this cause this right here is some bullshit I know that I can't, I can't go back in time. I know that that situation was not good for me. I know that I was dying a slow death. I know, but this ain't much better. This is not much better. There's no amount of ass or chasing around after somebody that I think looks good that makes up for what I had.
which was the peace of a home filled with the laughter of children. And I guess for a little while, the adoration, the admiration, the company and comfort of my wife or of a wife. I don't know. I don't know. I just, shit is whack. I don't know. As a little boy, growing up with dreams of being in a happy home, daydreams of being in a happy home, and then growing up to be a a man who just wanted to be a family man, a, 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 a husband to my wife, a friend to my friends, and a like this super dad to my babies. This is not anything even close to what I envisioned. I'm out here beating folks up in these streets and they beating up on me. Am I even built for this? Is this God? Is this what you want for me? Hey, you've been listening to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. My name is Eric Payne. I'm your host. I'm the guy that shows up every couple of weeks narrating my past, my past lives, my past versions, my past iterations, my past struggles, my past pains, with the goal, honestly, of helping you avoid the same pitfalls. Or if you are going through the exact same thing or something that sounds eerily reminiscent, familiar, what have you. Let this be a testimony to you or a testament to you that you're not alone and that you possibly can get through it depending on your perspective, your fortitude, your determination, and your belief in yourself and your value and that you matter. And that whether you are with someone or whether you are not with someone, whether you are being rejected by people or whether everyone is banging down your door to try to get to you. None of that determines your value. You determine your value. Who you are, how you show up, how you care for others, how you treat others, how you live your life, what you believe in. Eh, maybe not what you believe in. How you care for others, the memories you create with people, how you stand on your own two feet, being accountable, understanding that you're not going to be perfect, understanding that you're going to make mistakes, understanding that everyone ain't going to like you. But it has nothing to do with your value. It has nothing to do with your worth. You were priceless when you were born, and no matter what happens along the way, that value does not diminish. You are not a car. You are not a pair of shoes. You are not some pants. You ain't even a house. You are priceless. You are priceless. I am priceless. We're all priceless. Don't let anything on this journey, divorce, dating, celibacy, whatever, don't let anything on this journey that you may be on trick you into believing that you are worth an iota less than what you actually are. You matter. You are loved. I have love for every last one of y'all. I love what I do here, and I love each and every one of you, whether I ever meet you, ever hear from you or not. I have been blessed with a second chance to do better with my life, to have more meaningful and intentional situations 
relationships and experiences for myself and my children and my friends and all the rest of that. And I want the exact same thing for you. But you have to walk your journey. You have to go through your stuff, your mess, your muck. And I pray and I hope and I pray that you come out on top. That is my single. Well, that wasn't a single. That was a few. That is my desire for each and every one of you. Be strong, be intentional, be courageous, be willing, be fair, be upfront, be honest, even when it hurts, be honest, even when somebody turns on you because you're honest, be loving, be loving to yourself first, because if you're loving to yourself first, then you know what love is, and if you can love yourself, then you can love others, and even more importantly, you can recognize what love isn't. So when someone's coming at you with some nonsense, you can walk away and not even be mad about it. Be unmistakably, undeniably, extraordinarily, and indubitably, one of my favorite words, you. Until the next time, folks, peace out.